feel like sometimes life is really mental. Dude, that's actually a really good name for a podcast. <laughs> Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. My name is Chelsea Cutler. I turned to my friends and I was like, wait, guys, like, I didn't know that this was abnormal. I thought everyone just felt these things. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Really Mental Podcast, where we talk about mental health and identity. My name is Will Hyde. I'm a musician and I'm joined by my best friend, Harrison Kennedy, who is a model. The reason behind this podcast is to show not only ourselves, but you that everyone, no matter who you are, deals with these issues around mental health, whether it's anxiety, depression, and our goal is to showcase that to you today. We have a very special guest, Chelsea Cutler. She's an incredible songwriter, producer, singer, and she's someone that we've been fortunate to watch the rise of. She recently had a breakout song last year called You Were Good To Me with Jeremy Zucker. And it got an incredible 400 million streams, which is absolutely insane. And you may know her other song that she did called Your Shirt. Bit of an internet hit. Super excited to have her on today. And we're going to get into that conversation really soon. So make sure you stick around. First of all, I wanted to share a story, Harry, about a time when I felt social anxiety, which is what we're talking about today. Social anxiety is often referred to as a social phobia. It's a type of anxiety that causes fear in social settings, whether it's like you're talking to your neighbor, someone new on the street that you've just met, even a close friend saying the wrong thing or like being seen as awkward, whatever it is, that's a type of fear. And so that's an anxiety. Usually it comes out. Uh, when you attend like social gatherings, but it could be at any point. Sometimes people find it hard to talk to anyone. You can still be an extrovert as well and have social anxiety. Like I'm a very big extrovert and I didn't think I had social anxiety up until 20 minutes ago. But after having a conversation, I've been like, it might not be necessarily social anxiety, but getting uncomfortable in social settings. Like it doesn't always have to be exactly labeled as that. I think that It's just a process that people go through. And what we're talking about is just like how to deal with and our experiences with being a bit uncomfortable in social settings, which I feel like most people at one point in time have gone through. In high school, social anxiety was something that I've really had a hard time dealing with. And I didn't realize it until like once I left school. I remember one time in particular where I had a panic attack in my school bathrooms. I didn't know what it was at that time again but I literally thought my world was over. I found it hard to talk to girls that I liked back then because I was just so shy. I was like, what if they reject me? And I remember this one girl, I, was, I opened up this room and we have this share space and I walk in and I see this girl and you know that thing, I'm not sure if you experienced this, Harry, but when you're walking in a hallway and you're like, oh, are we going to say hi? Or are we just going to act yeah, like yeah, we haven't yeah, seen yeah. each other? And I used to do that all the time in high school. And so I'm like, oh, please don't say anything to me, this girl. And she did. And I like, like froze. (laughs) But at the time I felt so ashamed of this. And this is the first time I've told anyone. And I like completely flunked it, absolutely flunked it to the girl I liked and like 
stumbled over my words and like absolutely just made no sense with what I said. And I ran to the bathroom and I had like a panic attack. And that was something that I couldn't understand at that time. But that's why it's so important because, you know, a lot of you listening may be going through similar stuff. High school is really tough. That's a really clear example for me of just my own experience that, like I said, I haven't shared with anyone till today. So hopefully that can give you comfort. I've had incredible growth by talking to and getting help with it from a, a proper therapist. So I'd recommend you do the same. Harry, have you ever experienced social anxiety? I related to you in a sense of like the hallway thing and kind of like wanting to keep yourself sometimes. And I yeah. guess I may have experienced some forms of social anxiety, but wasn't too sure what it is. Because in my brain, I interpret social anxiety as someone who freaks out in social settings when necessarily it could just be you get a bit anxious or you get a bit uncomfortable when you're around people. Yeah. But for me personally, there's one thing that comes up where I, when I moved to a brand new school, I was about 15 and I relocated from a place called the Gold Coast and moved to Sydney, which is like a big city compared to like a little city. I remember feeling quite alone when I first arrived because I only knew one person and I would kind of mask being uncomfortable and having that social anxiety by trying to be very social. So I would like kind of lean into it and kind of like be extremely social and come across like kind of like douchey or whatever and very confident when I was actually just really nervous and freaking out. And because of that, it kind of was hard to blend in with the right people initially. I would come home sometimes and just not want to go back to school because I would feel so alone there because I didn't know anyone. And that kind of was really hard to deal with. And I remember like, as you were saying, the hallway thing, like walking past people going, ah, oh, like I've spoken to that guy once. Are we friends? Are we not friends? Like, do I have friends? Am I, yeah. you know what I mean? And thinking yeah. all these internal thoughts. Um, but the way I dealt with that was just like finding people that had similar interests to me and actually like spending time with them, finding who I got along with, who made me feel comfortable, who was kind of like the right fit for me. And then I, over time, I found my good group of friends more quality friends rather than like a quantity of friends. I think the thing with social anxiety is that once you really find the cause of it, I think a lot of it is to do with people pleasing. That's what I found because the anxiety is, am I going to say the right thing? Then it becomes what's right? Like what's the right thing to say? Who's to say anything is right or wrong? I found personally for me that it's a like, oh, I want to be someone's friend. So it's like, it's an anxiety of like, you know, I don't want to come off in a bad way or in a bad lie. And that's where I think it always came from for me. And I found it really interesting with Chelsea that, you know, again, it just shows you that she's this super accomplished artist. And no matter what you're achieving externally, like you still face the same stuff that a person in high school just starting out doing an English class can face. Like, you know, we're all in this together. Something that really came to mind for me was a conversation we were actually having the other day, Will, when playing Fortnite. And I remember I was constantly being like, oh, I don't know what to say here because I want to say stuff, but I also don't want Will to be mad at me. But then like, that's like kind of an example of it. Yeah. Of me, even with a friend, like wanting to voice my opinion on something, but also not wanting them to ever react or me creating this story in my brain that they're going to get mad at me for that when it's just me being me. I was more afraid of like 
is he still going to be my friend after I say this? Which is kind of like, it's dumb when you look back on it, but it's the way you kind of feel sometimes with people, even if you are really good friends with them. And I think that butterfly feeling in your stomach is sometimes just you overthinking and kind of just creating this story in your brain that you need to bring yourself back to and just say like, hey, realistically, is there really like a problem here? Or are you just creating a problem in your brain? Can you just not voice what you want to say? I think sometimes we're taught to get along as kids. Like we're taught that it's not okay to like say something out of the norm. But like sometimes in order to speak your truth, you have to be controversial a lot of the time. And I think it's like trialing that for a bit, you start to realize it's not as scary as maybe you once thought to like counter what someone's saying. Yeah. I think sometimes it's not important to get too caught up in like, why am I here? Why do I feel socially anxious? Which the brain can do. The key is to just be like, how am I going to moving forward adjust? So we talk more about this along with how therapy has helped Chelsea, Harry and I. We're really excited for you to hear this conversation. And so with that, we're going to welcome our very special guest, Chelsea Cutler to Really Mental. Hey everyone, just wanted to say we have an Amazon AMP show every Sunday at 7pm PT and 10pm ET. Make sure you check your time zones to double check what the time that is for you. We have special guests every week and similar to the podcast, we talk about topics around mental health and identity, but it's a live conversation. So we'd love you to be there so that you can tune in with us and we can hear from you live. Hope to see you there. This week, we have a super special guest, so we're excited for you to tune in. My name is Chelsea Cutler. I'm a recording artist from New York City, and I'm currently on tour with an artist in Quinn 92 and another artist, Ty Verdes, so that's been super fun. When you were a kid, could you like describe yourself, your energy in three words? I was definitely like energetic, super curious. And like definitely musical, like I, I like loved singing even as a little kid. And what made you get into music like as a career? As a career, I think it really like fell on my lap in a serendipitous way. When I was in college, I just posted songs on SoundCloud kind of for my friends to hear and like some labels and my manager like all stumbled on the stuff that was on SoundCloud and got the offer to like go on tour with Quinn 92 and ended up leaving school. And it was, yeah, it was all kind of just like a really serendipitous chain of events. What was that decision like? Because that's a major decision in your life to drop out of college to pursue a career of music. There's such a societal expectation that you have your college degree. So every day I'm still like kind of haunted by the fact that I don't have it. But my parents were super supportive and they were kind of the ones who were encouraging me to pursue music, which is cool because I feel like not many people have parents who would do that. I definitely relate with the sense of like not having that baseline thing. And it's weird because all my friends now are like close to graduating. But yeah, I definitely relate to that in terms of just like anxiety with, you know, doing music as a career and, and not doing that sort of traditional path. Throughout your music journey, was there any times when you were doing it where you were like, is this the right thing for me? Is this the right decision or am I going the right way or should I go back to uni or stuff like that? I've actually never questioned it, which is nice. With music though, I don't know. It just kind of feels super right. It's like the one thing I I really, really like to do in the world. So Yeah, I was actually, it's funny you say that because I was saying yesterday, I feel like if you're doing 
the right thing that you're meant to do on this earth. Like even at the times when you have every right to like give up, it just never crosses your mind. Like, I don't know. That's been my experience. Like, no, you're so right. I don't know what it is. It's just like, you find that thing. That's interesting. I have a lot of, not a lot of, but I definitely have moments of doubt where I'm like, oh crap, is this the right thing that I'm doing? Am I going the right direction? I've never like quit from it, but more just questioned if it is correct. But that is also partially because I'm a massive overthinker. Yeah, I think it partially comes from that area of always constantly trying to figure things out instead of just letting go and just letting them kind of come together the way they're meant to. Have you found that you're better at just letting things flow or you like to kind of tend to control things like I can? (laughs) It's a little bit of a happy medium. I've definitely learned with this career that you need to pivot a lot and sometimes in like really unexpected ways. And I also think that like I've gotten decent at giving up control in terms of like I have managers who kind of determine my schedule in a lot of ways and I just show up where I'm told to go and do what I'm told to do. I definitely think that I feel in control of like my career in general in a lot of ways. But again, like there's so many factors in this industry where you're problem solving a lot. And I think, again, like it's a happy medium of feeling like in control and also like you're a little bit in the riptide of the industry. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I'm interested, Chelsea, like have you reached a point so far where you're like, I feel really stable or is it a situation for you where you always feel like you're pushing to the next thing? Anyone in our industry probably feels like somewhat insatiable, you know? It's so tough, right? Yeah. (laughs) Was mental health something you thought about when you were like younger or did it just like sort of hit you at one point in time? Yeah, it hit me for sure my freshman year of college. I was actually in an intro to psych class and they were like the professor was going over like symptoms of depression And I turned to my friends and I was like, wait, guys, like, I didn't know that this was abnormal. I thought everyone just felt these things. (laughs) And they were like, no. And so I called my parents after that class and was like, what is going on? I, there's something wrong with me, I think. What were your next actions after that? Like, what did you do? For the next year or so, I'm not sure, like, my parents or I really knew the best path to handle it. And... It actually wasn't until like my panic attacks started getting really frequent, like weekly panic attacks. And I was like becoming way less functional than I needed to be. My parents really insisted that I went and talked to a psychiatrist and like learned about different medications and stuff. So again, that was like another instance of my parents being really encouraging, like kind of helping me figure out the right mode of action. That would be really hard to go through that. I wanted to ask for those listening that might not know these symptoms that that guy said and the things that made you realize, what were some of those things that were outlined to you that you thought were normal, but weren't? Like feeling like lack of hope. I do really remember the professor saying like, oh, people with depression, like when they wake up, they immediately look forward to their day like being over. Like you wake up and you just can't wait to like get to go back to sleep. And I remember like, telling my friends, I was like, do you guys not do that? Like you wake up and you like actually are cool with doing a whole day. So that was probably like the biggest thing that resonated with me. Cause like when you have depression, like 
it takes a lot of energy just to exist that the idea of like expending any more energy to like go through your day and encounter different things and like deal with a typical day that sounds like really daunting and yeah I just remember every single day I'd wake up and be like oh man like I don't want to do this I can't wait to just like for this all to be over so tough I really relate to that I saw everything about my life as like so 2D. Like I thought the way I saw myself was never, ever going to change. And one day, similar to yourself, it just like hit me. What was your process like with talking to a psychologist? And did that take you a while to find the right person for you? Or did you just happen to find the right psychologist? Throughout my time at college, my parents set me up with a a few different therapists. And none of them really were the right fit. And I felt like nothing was clicking and I wasn't making any progress. When I moved to New York City and had left school, my mom found a therapist in New York City for me to talk to. And I actually have been with her now for over three years, which is crazy. So cool. So yeah, it definitely takes a while. And like, I'm really glad that I stuck with it because I feel like a lot of people are intimidated by like the process of finding the right fit. I'm interested, Chelsea, how has music like helped or pushed you as a person with your own growth? It's like led to immense growth for me. The industry, as you know, is can be like really bizarre to navigate. Teaches you a lot of lessons. It teaches you a lot about patience, developing and learning my identity outside of work, being able to not compare with other people. I mean, it's super nonlinear, you know, like it's important to remember that your growth and your path is different than other artists who might be in like similar positions to you. And I think just also in terms of stress management and being able to prioritize tasks on the to-do list and manage a lot of things at once, it's definitely kind of helped me develop that skill set without getting super overwhelmed anymore. It's so comprehensive as you guys experience. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy to think about music has been such a driver in sort of my mental health world because I was like, okay, I have to get my mental health in check to be able to do the stuff I want to do in music. I feel like for me right now, like if I was doing another job, maybe I wouldn't be growing as much or I'd be like stuck. What do you think, Kai? I don't know. I don't really think of it that way. I just think of it as like I'm doing me and I'm slowly growing as I'm doing everything. I think that definitely... I've been put into the deep end with some things and you just learn how to swim out of it and kind of figure out your stuff. And I think you learn things from that. I was going to ask Chelsea, with social anxiety and with dealing with all these different things and not comparing yourself, what's that like with putting out something that you've created? This is what I'm always interested about music. You're putting out something that you've created for other people to listen to and to put their say on it. How do you deal with that? I mean, I find it really cathartic to to create the stuff like in the first place. And then I think just reminding myself that if my vulnerability can be of use to someone else who's listening, then it's worth it to put yourself out there. I kind of feel like being an artist in a lot of ways is like yelling into an abyss because it's easier to be vulnerable through songs that maybe hundreds of thousands of people here than it is to be vulnerable, like in a intimate conversation with those close to you. So in a lot of ways, I think it's easier. That's so interesting. Would you say that performing in front of people then is that harder to do sometimes like being in front of 
5,000 people. I don't know how many people were there, but like five, 10,000 people whilst you're on stage. Like, how does that feel? Yeah, I, I think that it's an amazing feeling. It's probably my favorite aspect of being an artist. If I can see some sort of like tangible evidence that the music is impacting somebody or, or someone's connecting to it, then it all feels super like worth it to me and feels, uh, I mean, it's obviously a validating feeling and it definitely like reaffirms how important it is to be real and be authentic in the music because it clearly is like resonating with all these people, which is a really, really like crazy feeling. Yeah. Do you experience that too, you think? Yeah, it's hard because I haven't performed yet for my solo project. So I'm, I could only go off like what I felt like a f- couple years back. So solo project has started rolling out like when we were in quarantine, right? Yeah, in July last year. Because I remember Gavin actually sent me your like your unreleased stuff while I was in quarantine. And I remember my parents and I, I quarantined the first like 10 months of COVID with my parents and we actually listened to your stuff a lot before it was even released. That's so sick. That's cool. Yeah, my mom was really into it. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. I want to take it back for a second for Chelsea. What was the first time you ever played live? And what was that feeling that you felt? Can you just describe that for everyone? Yeah, the first time I played a show live was opening for Quinn 92 in Detroit. And it was, I remember it was like in a thousand cap room. And at the time I thought a thousand cap room was the biggest thing on planet Earth. Um, So I was terrified. (laughs) I think I like blacked out on stage, honestly. I think it was just like, all right, go on there, get the job done, don't mess up and then get off. That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. What's it like going back there? Is that sort of crazy for you? Because you can obviously see so tangibly where you've grown from. Yeah, I I mean, I I think you can say that about any city that we've kind of played throughout all the tours. Like it's nuts even in like Boston or New York City where like we initially were playing four or 500 cap rooms and we just came off playing like five, 6,000 cap rooms there. The growth feels really like tangible and in your face and in like every city that we go to, which is a great way to kind of stay grounded actually. That's awesome. And what would you say your sort of last 18 months were like before tour, like how were you feeling? Because it sounds like touring is something that's a big part of your passion for music. So without it, what was your mental health like and, and how are you thinking of music? Dude, I'm, I'm sure you guys like relate, but I thought like my, I was just in survival mode. And I think in like a lot of ways I still am. And I talk about this with my therapist a lot that like you can only feel so much and still keep your head afloat. And so I think like a lot of people have just been operating in survival mode. And I'm sure at some point we're going to have to like grieve and process the last two years that have happened to us. It was a lot of like hopelessness and not knowing kind of when touring was going to be a thing again. Even like now we're obviously doing outdoor venues. So I still question a lot with all the different variants when are we going to get to a point where we can be touring again indoors? When are we going to get to a point where we can be doing like real meet and greets again? Like, is that connection with fans where we're ever going to be able to like take selfies with them and have like real like intimate conversations one-on-one with fans? Like when is that going to come back? I definitely feel like with COVID, 
it's like every time we see the finish line, the finish line gets pulled back again. Yeah. Yeah. How do you deal with the finish line constantly being extended? Therapy. I love that. Yeah. I don't know. That's been like the biggest thing for me. I don't know how, like how yeah. is, I actually would love to know like how you guys have handled that. One of the biggest things that I learned was being able to be flexible, which is what I was saying earlier that is I've really struggled with is just being able to be flexible and flow throughout this career. Cause I'm so used to being in a structured setting and they're coming into it was kind of like, oh crap, I've got to really be like, go with the flow. And I think that that's been something I've really adapted with COVID. I've been like, okay, can't do my work right now. What can I do? Podcast, something I enjoy. And then being able to like adapt and move depending on what's going on around me. And I think that was a big thing that I took out of it. I think that I struggled to adapt and I find it really admirable how you did. I think I spent a lot of time in the last 18 months asking a lot of questions and also just like struggling with a loss of hope. I spend a lot of time thinking about how other people utilize the last 18 months to like learn a new hobby or like, I don't know, make use of the time in some way, shape or form. And I, I spend a lot of time like resenting myself that I didn't. I feel like I spent a lot of time mourning the loss of like being able to work and tour. It took me so long to process everything that was going on and like come to a place of peace with everything. I think a lot of people will relate to you in the sense of like not doing as much and just processing everything that was happening. But we have to put in context that like we were in a pandemic that hasn't happened in a century. You know what I mean? And it's not necessarily a bad thing to not do anything because it actually allows you to just kind of have a rest and a break because you've been on this constant grind for years. You didn't need to do anything. Like there was no one telling you to do anything. And I feel like that's part of like social media and part of like us comparing ourselves to everyone else. Cause we see a 12 year old kid making $20 million. Oh, I'm 19, 20. I'm not making $20 million. What am I doing? Oh my God. Yeah. I think like the visibility on social media are our ability to see what everyone else is accomplishing. And the fact that social media is such a it's a place for accomplishments way more so than I think than it is like a place for vulnerability. And obviously I appreciate when people do make it kind of a forum for vulnerability, but all you do is see like what everyone else is doing and how they're commodifying different things. It is so difficult to compare. Cause like, again, like we were saying careers, particularly like unconventional careers can be so nonlinear. Um, so yeah, I think I think that was really hard to see when I especially after like touring for so many years and then being remarkably stagnant for 18 months, I felt super stuck and I was like I feel like I'm making no progress and there's so many people out there who are like using this time to like grow their fan base on TikTok or like investing and YouTube and content creation and I was like not freaking doing anything. What's your relationship with social media at this point in time? Is it something that gives you anxiety? Something that excites you? It used to excite me because I used to feel like it was a place to be authentic with fans and with people. I liked it because I felt like it was a place where you could kind of pick and choose what you wanted to share with people and when. And I think particularly over the last two years, it's 
it's evolved to a place where content is king and people really expect like frequent content. And that stresses me the heck out. Especially with TikTok. It's crazy how times change. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And like, I want to like, I want to say that I'm like an adaptable person and I can pivot and I can adjust to it. I'm really trying with TikTok and like all that stuff. But like, it just goes against my fundamental beliefs. Like, I don't think everything we should be doing should be like filmed and, and like commodified and turned into content. Even with me with Instagram, I'm like, all I'm doing today is sending emails. Like how I've got to make my life interesting for Instagram, but that's just me faking it. Like I'm not that interesting. All I do is send emails, talk to people, stand in front of a camera. Like if you were to really break it down. But no one's, I don't like, no one's that interesting. Like that's why like so much of the content on TikTok seems really like contrived and forced to me. With COVID and, you know, time away from tour, how do your relationships change with people? Do you use that time to connect with like maybe some friends you didn't have time to talk to before? Yeah, totally. That's like the one valuable thing. I think that came from the last 18 months was I got to be home in one place for the first time in like three years. Once all my friends and I got vaccinated, I feel like I was able to really like hunker down and like focus a lot of energy into spending time with people regularly that I only would get to see maybe like once a month or once every couple of months. So that, that part of everything has been amazing. That's awesome. And like with finding those types of people, what are things that you look out for, for your tribe? And I always ask this question to everyone. What is something that you look out for to surround yourself with the right people? I love people who are just like hundred percent goofy and dorky as hell and like not afraid to like just be like super real and inquisitive and and nerdy and like I just love people who are like there's no front involved at all like they're just as real as it gets there's nothing better than like nerdy friends who are down to like be nerds and explore and and ask questions (laughs) and have have like these types of conversations because a lot of people a lot of people don't want to Yeah, fact. Definitely. I found that it's really interesting because even some of my friends, like, especially being male, they find it very hard to talk about their feelings sometimes. And you can see it's only starting to kind of creep through this comfortability. And that's come with like years of people starting to just open up. And if I was to compare myself, which I don't really like to do very often, but I'm very comfortable with my emotions while some of my friends are very uncomfortable talking to them and they're confused as to how I'm so comfortable. But me being vulnerable allows them to feel more comfortable to be vulnerable. Totally. If I open myself up, then they'll start to open themselves up and actually helps all of us. But I think that breaking down this stigma of why we can't talk about our emotions and if you do, you're kind of like crazy or if you're so emotional, you're like crazy or you're insane or something like that isn't healthy because like emotions are emotions. Everyone feels them. It's just some people suppress them more and don't show them as much as others. Totally. How have you, Chelsea, learned to like portray your emotions and just let them flow? I think a huge part of that is remembering that an emotion comes and goes. It's transient. It's not a permanent or defining thing. And just because you're feeling something doesn't mean that you need to take action on it. That's been super helpful for me. Like I feel way more comfortable sitting in my emotions and feeling them, remembering that they're a transient thing and like, They're going to come, but they're going to go. I don't have to make any 
decisions. I don't have to make any choices or like structure anything around what I'm feeling in a specific moment. I think it's cool to like pay attention to emotional like trends that you have more so than like emotions that you're feeling in any particular moment. I love that. I want to dive in and talk about your album. Where does that come for you? Was that a very natural thing or is it something you sort of set out to do? How did that come about? Yeah, it came super naturally. I think like once I was kind of able to like safely work with people, like the collaborative and creative energy just started flowing. And like we had an album really before before we even knew it. I didn't know what to expect for the album because like there were just there were so many feelings that I had and I didn't know how it was all going to come together kind of comprehensively in a project. And now like that is complete and I can look at it and it's it's full package. I'm like, this makes total sense. How do you let go of those expectations as well? Like how do you not put a number on the amount of streams you want a song to get or like things like that? I think like the fact that I don't really know what to expect, it makes it like harder to analyze the numbers. Like I don't, I don't really know what to expect. I don't really know if anyone knows like what good streaming numbers are right now. TikTok has become such a massive discovery platform yeah, and such a hub for like music to live on. Like streaming numbers have been like impacted by that. It's like such a transitional time in, in the industry that I don't even know what's good or what's not. So I like, I can't even have expectations, which is like bizarre and liberating maybe at the same time. I wanted to ask, with the ever-changing and your life being so busy, how do you maintain balance? Dude, that's a, that's a really good question. On this like tour particularly, I've been really enjoying like putting some sort of structure into each like show day has been really helpful. So like knowing that like I'm going to wake up, I'm going to work out pretty much at the same time each show day, shower, get lunch, sound check, do VIP, get dinner, do the show, shower, get food, go to bed. Like that structure has been really grounding for me and like has kept me in like a really good headspace this tour. Do you ever feel like your career is your entire world and you don't have anything outside of that to keep you like balanced with everything or? 100%. I have no idea like what I really enjoy outside of music. And like I was saying, like I think a lot of people use the last 18 months to learn about themselves, like different things that they like. And for me, I spend so much time harping on the fact that I don't love a lot of things outside of music that I definitely didn't like discover anything new. If anything, like I really, I'm like, I just like bought my first home and I'm like enjoying um, the process of like decorating that and like settling in. That's so cool. Yeah. Like that, (laughs) that so far has been like probably the best, like secondary creative expression kind of like place for me. I don't know. It's it's kind of an expensive hobby. It's like, it's not something you can like. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, that's like, it sounds like that's just going to cost all of your money then <laughs> going to this one thing. Soccer was always my thing. And then music was like the hobby. And then music has now become the thing. And I don't know what the hobbies are. That never mattered because I was always so busy with music in the last 18 months. I guess I could have figured out what my hobbies are, but instead I just spent a lot of time saying to everybody, I don't know what my hobbies are. I don't know. Did you, did you guys like, do you feel like you learned more about stuff you like to do in the last 18 months? And obviously with the podcast, I imagine that you have. It was trial and error for me. I tried a lot of things. 
I just tried everything. I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll give it all a go. And then I figured out what I like. Like I paint now for fun. And that's more of like a getting away from my screen, like detoxing. Cause I can tend to be addicted to my phone a little bit. So it's like me getting away from my screen and being able to just focus on creatively doing one thing alongside that was, yeah, going to uni and the podcast was a big one for us. But like even side things, like I realized that I need to do more exercise and I need to really look after my health because I was really neglecting my health with work. And I was just constantly so busy working that I forgot to actually work out. And I was like, oh, I need to go on more runs. I need to go on more swim. Swimming's like was my equivalent to your soccer. Like it was my sport that I would do. And like doing more things like that, that I really enjoyed from my mental, spiritual and physical health. So I think that trying to find a balance in all of those was the biggest thing for me. But the way I did that was just by trying everything. What about you, Will? Yeah, I've really resonated with what Chelsea said because I almost feel the same. And I, I was like, damn, this could be like a problem. Like, I think I should figure out other shit <laughs> that I like to do because I'm like, why do I on weekends when I'm tired from the week always end up back in the studio? So I'm like... I mean, it's like you love to do it, you know? Like, it's like an addiction. Yeah. I think about this too all the time because like there's so many professional athletes who like when they retire, they stay in the sport, whether it's coaching or like running a club or whatnot. And like, so I, I often like try to remind myself like maybe it's cool that this is like the thing you love to do. And maybe your life revolves around music and that's like what it is. The purpose. Yeah. I think as well, like exercise I've really picked up and since leaving sport, I never really exercised with a goal. It was simply just to make ends meet, like just spend an hour, refresh myself for music. But now I'm sort of working out and like going for runs with the intention of just keeping myself healthy, like trying to live a long life um, on this earth. And so I've been passionate about that. I think I've been trying to get back into PlayStation, which sounds so silly to try to get back into, but I miss as a kid being able to do that on weekends and drain time. And so I've been really trying and Harry and I have been playing Fortnite. Um, (laughs) So it's been working so far every night we play a bit of Fortnite. Um, Yeah, it's fun. I picked up boxing in the last kind of like six or seven months and that's something that I really enjoy. I just started boxing too. Yeah, isn't it awesome? Yeah, it's so cool. And I also feel so tough when I do it. Like, I feel like I'd crush it. (laughs) Yeah, right. You feel like so badass. If you could work on any part of your mental health right now, what would you work on? That is an incredible question and very challenging. Deriving my confidence from like a healthy place and kind of maintaining like a a stable, healthy level of confidence. Because I think that I have a tendency to put so much stock in like how my music is doing or touring or like I just derive so much of my confidence from my career that it can fluctuate a lot. And I'm not sure it's like the most stable, like healthy way to kind of like determine my like self-worth, you know? Yeah. How about you guys? Keeping faith, trusting everything's going to work out because I think that's my source of anxiety at the moment is the questioning, the doubt, and just in all parts of life, whether it's music, like, oh, is this going to work out? Having faith and developing a better relationship with what God is to me and like the universe and developing that 
and I've just started on that journey. So that'd be for me. What about you, Harry? Setting boundaries with people and putting myself first. That's been a big thing. I've been working with my counselor and stuff on because I can tend to sometimes be too empathetic in a sense where I'll put other people before my own needs Mm -hmm. and detaching myself from other people's emotions because I can sometimes become like very, in a sense, codependent on if someone else is sad, I'll feel sad. So like just being in charge of my emotions and that comes with setting the boundaries. So that would be my biggest thing that I'm currently focusing on as well. I love both of those. That's an awesome one. Setting boundaries. That's key. Thank you, Chelsea, so, so so much much. for your time. Thank you guys for having me. This was so awesome. I haven't said this, but I've been listening to you for ages. Like snow in October, giving up ground, banger. Always come back to that. Thank you. And I just think you're super prolific. And I I think, you know, I can speak for the both of us. We're just super excited to see how you continue to grow as an artist. So it's been a privilege to sort of pick your brain on how you see the world. Thank you. I mean, it's super mutual. I'm such a big fan of your work and what you're doing. And I'm like, so stoked to see where it goes for you too. And I, I hope, hopefully we can all get to hang in person sometime. Yeah, hundred percent. Definitely. Thank you. So I really enjoyed the chat with Chelsea today and I wanted to take some time to look at some takeaways that I got just to summarize this chat, because it was quite long. I think the biggest thing that stood out for me, Will, was therapy and the importance of therapy and her journey with that and how she's overcome her mental challenges through speaking about it and finding help within professionals. Yeah, I think any time that I hear an artist that's that successful, that talented, talking about anxiety and you know depression in such a candid way, I always feel a little bit lighter after because it feels like I can, I guess, share some of the the weight that I feel like I carry sometimes with my own mental health. So I think a big takeaway for me is just that whatever you're going through, no matter what stage you are in your journey with mental health, talking to someone is important. I really like Chelsea's point about making sure that even when you think you don't need it, you're still going because that's when you make real progress once you're out of those points of it being in a really dark spot and you're starting to uh, get really healthy. That's when you keep going and that's when you keep pushing it forward to see how far you can grow as a, a human with your confidence and, and mental health. So that would be my takeaway. I think as well, one thing I really liked uh, hearing about was her view on on music as well, just as a musician. It's really interesting to hear her talk about what shows mean to her and as a result how she dealt with the last 18 months if you're someone who has felt like they've had a bit of an unproductive time or like maybe you didn't adapt to the change as well i think it's really cool to hear someone say you know what i didn't actually adapt that well to covid yeah that's true and i think these stories and what everyone is saying and what we are saying with chelsea will and myself are our own experiences. And if you are struggling and if you are going through a hard time, we highly suggest that you go see professional help because we obviously aren't professionals in this area, but we are able to share our experiences and just help in that way. And yeah, if you are really struggling, I would suggest go see someone who is a professional in that field that can help you. It'll feel a lot better when you talk to someone about it. Yeah, 100%. With that, Please subscribe to the podcast, follow us on our socials, our Instagram, Really Mental Podcast, 
and our YouTube. Make sure you rate the podcast and uh, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to podcasts so that you can hear the next episode. And follow me on my socials. I am Will Hyde. And me at It's Harry Kennedy. Have an amazing day, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you got up to this point, we really appreciate you. Excited for the next one. Lots of love. Bye. Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. I just want to end this episode today, Will, by like talking directly to the audience saying like, if you guys are struggling, Will and I aren't like professionals in this field. We're just telling our experiences through stories and kind of just sharing what we've been through. But if you are really struggling, we do highly suggest going to see a therapist and professional help because they will be the ones that can really help you in your situation. Yeah, of course. Feel free to share your stories with us and DM us. We want to know what you're going through, but make sure you take the time to speak to a professional because that's going to give you the most help. That said, we hope that these stories and the people we've spoken to can really help you on your journey to finding that right person, whether it's a therapist or that friend to talk to about it. Make sure you take the time to do that.